Hey everybody, Eric here. We're going to share a podcast that I recorded a few weeks back with the Overwatch Collective and their president, Greg Grosjean. It was a great uh, episode, a little bit longer than we normally do, an hour and 45 minutes, but stick with it. There's some hidden gems and hidden nuggets. You'll learn a little bit more about yoga for first responders and more importantly, a little bit about the Overwatch Collective. Thanks to Lisa Hammond for making this connection happen. If you have somebody that you feel we should have as a guest on our podcast or co-collaborate with, please send an email to info at yogaforfirstresponders.org. Let's get to the show. Welcome to Yoga for First Responders On Air, where we break down yoga, neuroscience, resilience, and public safety in a manner that's authentic, educational, and most importantly, entertaining and lighthearted. I'm YFFR's founder, Olivia Mead. As a yoga instructor and neuroscience enthusiast, I'm passionate about supporting first responders and anyone looking to improve their overall human performance. Each week, we'll dive into a new topic and often bring on expert guests to share their insights and experiences, but we'll also keep it real and share our own stories and struggles along the way. So whether you're a first responder or seeking to master the science of mental and physical resilience, this podcast is your ultimate guide to triumph over life's challenges with unbreakable strength and unwavering fortitude. By pressing play, your training has begun. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Overwatch Collective Podcast. This is season five, episode 13. I'm here with excuse me wow what a terrible intro uh the president of yoga for first responders eric uh eric was a firefighter for 13 years um and basically we're going to dive into everything about yoga for first responders um they started in 2016 in 2019 alone they trained over 150 departments uh first responders and military service members combined um so doing amazing work for our community and as we all know in this community, our our bodies hurt. We have to wear our SCBA all the time, our plate carrier if you're in the military. Um, and this is what we need physically, but also mentally as well to build up that resiliency. So um, quick little introduction there. But Eric, I appreciate you hopping on. Um, I'm excited to learn more about yoga for first responders, have the community oh, right. about yoga for first responders. Um so please say hello, do a quick little intro, and we'll take yeah. it. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm Eric. I'm president of Yoga for First Responders. Uh, left the fire service, uh, gosh, man, it's already been about five years ago at this point, uh, and now travel the country teaching proactive mental health and wellness tools to public safety, active duty military personnel, and then we're actually in New Hampshire right now working with medical professionals as well. Uh, and so our scope is broadening, but it's really that chain, uh, that 911 chain is our scope of focus. And so uh, we, the reason why we kind of t- we've moved into military is we feel like there are country's first responders. Let's be honest. I mean, there are the men and women putting their asses on the line for uh, our country. And then as we all saw after COVID in 2020, our medical professionals, they're in a world of hurt too. So excited to be able to provide them these tools and these concepts as well. And we're going to have a good fun conversation about dispelling about misconceptions, I think, on what yoga is. And that's usually one of the key questions I get. Yeah, because I, I, I've i taken one hot yoga class. And let me tell you, I thought I was in shape. And number one, I came out of there sweating my ass off. 
Uh, and then number two, some of the positions that we had to hold, I'm like, yo, I can't do this. And then I got some lady three times my age doing it. And I'm like, all right, I need to uh, work on myself a little bit. But um, yeah, I, I don't know much about uh, yoga and the, the the physical side of it, the mental side of it. So I'm excited to get into it. Um, but my brother, who's a firefighter in Southern California, actually, this is how we got connected and how I was... Uh, introduced to you guys is you guys came out and hosted a training at their department, um, which I heard nothing but great things about. So I think what you're doing for the community and expanding um, not only to first responders, but also our service members. And then um, the, the people, the men and women in the hospital that are on their feet the entire day and running around. Um, it is definitely something that is needed. Um, I do have a very important question for you though. Please. Uh, what do firefighters and police officers have in common? Oh, uh, I, I have an inappropriate answer. I was going to say that they, that they both love nurses, but yeah, yeah, that, that, that's actually but, true. It's because I'm in a hospital. It's top of mind. <laughs> that, that is true. That's one of the, uh, one of the common ones that we see. We see a lot of first responders married to other first responders or nurses. It's pretty common. Yeah. Um, but what do firefighters and police officers have in common? That's what, that, was my, that was my answer. Okay. All right. Well, they all want to be firefighters. Nah, that is true. That's the common thing. Listen, listen, I say that, uh, I don't know. I obviously work with both, both, both sides of the coin, both sides of the thing. Uh, Sometimes I hear the cops say that the firefighters get cooler toys. I don't think so. Like I've seen some of y'all's call outs and you guys get some pretty sweet toys too. Uh, one thing, let's be honest, I can make a pretty good chili at this point. Like if we're going to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'll be honest. My first day on shift, like I got ridiculed because I made a terrible dinner my first day out of Academy. And yes, that happens. Like I, I was a young kid. I didn't know how to cook. I came out of college making ramen noodles and macaroni and cheese. And all of a sudden, these guys wanted steak and potatoes for their first night. And I was like, uh... <laughs> oh, you you ruined steaks? I ruined steaks as a, yeah, as a young kid. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, would, I would actually probably do the same thing. Way overcooked them. So I had to I had to get better at that real fast. <laughs> well, I'm sure you did because you guys probably had the, uh, the time to do that. I know that's always one of the things like when we call for fire to come out or there's like a, a TC or a medical or anything and it's like, 6 p.m. or 6 15 i'm like hey guys sorry what was on the stove that you just had to turn off that might be ruined like yeah. man we had lasagna going or something crazy so totally totally i mean i had a not to get into war stories but we showed up for i had three cops in the middle of the night uh call our truck out and they're like hey man we need your help there's something going on in that townhouse we can't figure it out and walked in there and there's three literally three patrol cars three officers standing outside of it and this is three o'clock in the morning. So they apologized for waking us up because they knew damn well. They're like, we tried to figure it out. We didn't want to wake yeah. you up. Yeah, yeah. Turned out it was just literally like a spider and a smoke detector. It was causing an issue. All no right. big deal. But we, we got to bust their chops for a while after that too. So Yeah. And and that probably sucks for you guys because you're asleep. And the time that you go out to a call, you're like, all right, groggy while you're en route. You deal with the call. And then you're like, okay, cool. I'm like pretty awake. And then you get back and you're like, all right, I am wide awake right now. I don't sleep anymore. And that's actually a really good segue into what we do and why we do what we do. I mean, yeah, that is exactly uh, why I brought it up. Uh, because <laughs> our our first responder community and our military community, like, I mean, I'm I'm even going through it right now. So a few days ago, I had to do a uh, a search warrant for work, and we hit the house at 3 a.m. And I worked swing shift the day before from 1 to 11 p.m. Um, 
And then we had our briefing at two. We had to prep all of our gear at midnight. And then I didn't get home until 6.15. And then the next day I worked from 1 p.m. to 11 p.m. And it was super busy. So, and, and that's kind of maybe not like as far as like the call outs go and like the, the SWAT team that I'm on. Um, but that's a very common theme to hear um, yep. schedule wise for our community. Um, so it's the lack of sleep. It's the not working out. It's the, uh, the wearing full kit back hurting everything, um, which is why you, what you guys are doing is so important. So, um, take it away with yoga for first responders. Let's talk about, uh, your wife who started it, uh, the founder CEO, and then we'll just dive into that. Yeah. So yoga first responders, uh, founded and started by, uh, Olivia Mead. Uh, she started it, uh, in 2016 before we met, and her first two customers were LAPD and LAFD. LAFD first, technically. Um, and she started it. She's a trained yoga instructor, was actually working in the VA system and found out that there's a lot of health and wellness programs for veterans. Uh, and so she started to do some research and was looking into the same thing for public safety. And she was like, what about yoga for firefighters, yoga for police, yoga for whatever, you Googling it, nothing came up, yoga for first responders. And so she really had this eye-opening moment. I was like, well, shit, I guess if there's nothing out there, maybe I should create it. Yeah. And so uh, started knocking on firehouse doors and saying, hey, you guys want to do yoga? I'll teach you for free. And a lot of guys said, no, no, no. Ended up at LAFD's training facility and knocked on their door and they said no but i know a guy that would be interested and so they took her to meet uh dr scott who is the on-duty clinical psychologist for lafd and he had done this kind of stuff in previous work and so he worked with her on building a specific protocol of tools um, to make it job specific and culturally informed for public safety um, from his experience working with lafd and so i mean grace of God, stroke of luck, whatever you want to call it, yeah. uh, is that first connection was a critical connection. And so I started teaching yoga on a weekly basis uh, at LAFD in their training facility. And then uh, the cops got wind that there's something going on over at the fire department and they seem to be really liking it. Should we try it? And they, they signed on on board too. And so from there, the rest is history. Uh, and now has grown it into an organization where uh, we actually in 2021 worked with just shy of 30,000 cops and firefighters across the country. And so um, we were working with agencies big and small. So uh, Portland Police Department, Chicago Police Department, the U.S. Marshal Service, they all have our training uh, implemented at this point. Um, San Joaquin County uh, Sheriff's Office uh, running with it up in the Sacramento area down to small town police departments and fire departments. Like one of my favorite, favorite departments because everybody's like, oh, it's for the big departments on the coasts. Right. Uh, but Henderson Fire Department, not to not to poke fun at Henderson, Kentucky, but most people yeah. have never I've most never heard of it. When exactly. when you said Henderson, I I thought of Henderson, Nevada. It's right outside of Los exactly. Angeles, but I've never heard of Kentucky. So I get small little town, I guess. Or yeah, exactly. And it's the fire oh. chief teaching it to his guys. You know, like the fire chief learned about us first. He had uh, some issues come up and creeping up in the department, and he's now sent a third of his department uh, to our training programs to so they can teach to each other uh, throughout the agencies. So 
And that's what makes me proud is when those small little rural places that are volunteer or smaller police departments with 10 people on the department reach out because quite frankly, the health and wellness conversation is pervasive, big, small, top to bottom. And I actually even argue uh, possibly even harder on the small, the smalls uh, because every call, like I ran 13 years on the truck and a small to medium sized agency, a town of about 80,000 people. And in 13 years ran one call on somebody I knew, you know, it just didn't, just didn't happen where those small volunteer fire departments, the small sheriff's departments and police departments, every single call they run on, they know the person they're interacting with. And so when you we talk about the trauma standpoint, I mean, my God, like it may not be the volume, but it's more personal. Yeah. And it's, it's already difficult even not knowing people right for our community yes. because you're seeing literally the worst you're seeing fatality traffic collisions you're seeing medicals just literally the worst no one's calling and be like hey i need the fire and police department here because yes. i just want to say hi and give you amazing chili that's not yeah. fun. <laughs> um but yeah you literally see the worst in everything which is filled with trauma it's filled with call to call no debriefs and then you're throwing that stuff in your backpack and you kind of just got to suck it up and move on uh, maybe not as many critical incident or uh, critical incident debriefs or even smaller calls like diffusings to kind of talk about it. Um, and then you tack on knowing the people that you're working on and going on these calls. I mean, that's, that's uh there's a lot that goes into it. And you said something in the beginning that really hit with me was the proactive, uh, the proactive efforts and steps um, with the use of yoga, yeah. you guys, um, because usually in our career amongst the first responder and military community, everything is reactive totally. um, where it's like, you don't really see many people in our community going to therapy unless it's like, that's the last resort. Like, Hey, I've hit rock bottom. Okay. Now it's time to go to therapy. Um, yeah. And I, I'm sure you've seen that before in the past. And that's um, kind of like what we do at the overwatch collective as well as be like, Hey, here's all these resources. Like we highly recommend, you know, your healthy coping mechanisms, some breathing techniques, find therapists that may work for you in the event that you need them. Um, but also like, it's okay to go to therapy. It's okay to do yoga, even when everything in your head is going well. Right. Um, and that's that really like proactive side of us, which is not what we're used to. I feel like, you know, no, it's not what we're used to. Cause let's be honest, we're paid to be reactive. Like yeah. we react when people hit 911. Like that's what yeah. we do. We're paid to react. We're not, yeah. I mean, there's like community outreach on the law enforcement side and there's fire prevention on the fire department side. But let's be honest, nobody really wants to work in those divisions because that's not where the fun's at. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, so even at that point, then it's subconsciously ingrained in us that we don't even want to be on the proactive group within our agency. And so it's so true. And I was, to be a bit vulnerable here because you guys do work uh, in with the talk therapy realm and help people with those, with the costs associated with that, which is awesome is I went to, cause God, man, therapy is cost prohibitive for some people around the country, which is crap. Oh, Let's yeah. be honest. That's crap. Yeah. Uh, and so I really appreciate that you guys help people defray those costs. Uh, I was seen as the guy that had this all together, quote unquote, all together on the fire department. And I fully admitted I, that I was going to therapy because I'm human and this shit affects me. I mean, if we, like you said, we're walking through the shit that we see day to day, it's like saying somebody, Hey, dive in that swimming pool and don't get wet. Like that's not, it's not going to hop. It's not going to happen. Yeah. 
And so I fully admitted that I was going to therapy and everybody was like, wait a minute, Brennan, you're the one that's got it all put together. Why are you going to therapy? And like, because you all see me at work, but you don't know what's going on outside of here uh, and what's happening in the rest of my life. And so once I started that and shared that, uh, I offered my therapist up to a couple of guys when I was still on the fire department. And since I've left the fire department, honestly, I've had more reach out and be like, Hey, who is that therapist you're going to? Because yeah, then I also cool. became a safe resource, like yep. the fire department and moved out of the state. Uh, and so they're like, shit, he's not going to talk to anybody. And so I've honestly referred people back to that therapist that I was going to, uh, because it's critically important. Uh, yeah. and so Olivia and I, full disclosure, it's both of our second marriages we met because of this work uh, and we went to therapy before we even got married. We went to couples therapy. Yeah. It turns out you can actually go to couples therapy before your marriage is falling apart while you're actually still dating, meeting yeah. somebody. You know, though, Because yeah. we're both like, listen, we're in our mid late thirties. Uh, we've got baggage of life and history with us. Maybe we should take a proactive approach to this relationship so that we don't fall into the same patternings that we were in, in our previous relationships. Uh, and so, yeah, to use therapy as a proactive approach, listen, folks, that, that you hopefully you're taking proactive maintenance on your car. I think we can all admit that you are a little bit more important uh, than your car. So maybe you should start yeah. to work. Did you miss out on the YFFR bridge course? There's still a chance to join the front line of wellness. Dive into Yoga for First Responders Instructor School, April 8th to 12th in Washington, D.C., this isn't just training, it's a transformation. Equip yourself to empower our first responders with resilience and strength. Why is this for you? You'll learn job-specific and culturally informed yoga from the best. Connect with a community dedicated to making a difference and master a program that blends physical readiness with mental resilience. Act fast. Seats are limited and they're going quick. Be the change. Embrace this life-changing journey and help bring wellness to our first responders. Your time is now. Visit yogaforfirstresponders.org to secure your spot. Let's make a difference together. Yeah, I, I agree with that and I like it. And I think that's that's cool that you and Olivia did that too and you guys did therapy together to take that proactive step. Um, because yeah, we're we're used to being completely reactionary. Um, I really do commend you for even like in the firehouse being in like in a good place and admitting like, yes, I'm going to therapy because a lot of that, that stigma and that culture that we have in our community around therapy. And I know we're supposed to be talking about yoga for first responders, but we'll tell we'll you. Get there. Yeah. Um, but when you get someone that's been in for uh, 10, 15, 20 years, or you're, uh, a captain engineer, um, a sergeant in the police department, whatever the case may be. And they become vulnerable and share and be like, Hey, yeah, my wife and I go to therapy or I go to therapy for X, Y, and Z. Just that alone, sharing that normalizes it for everybody else a little bit. And it makes them realize like, Hey, I don't need to go to therapy when like, I feel like I'm going to take my own life or shit is really going sideways, um, with myself or with my marriage, whatever the case may be. So, um, uh, I think that's really cool that you said that did that. And, um, I applaud you for that. I think it's really cool because like you said, having, they now have that safe outlet to reach out to, 
Um, and then you probably told them be like, yeah, here, here's the name of the therapist names, Greg, blah, blah, blah. Like nobody else really has to know, um, uh, which is also a big thing in our community too. So, um, uh, yeah, once again, that's, that's awesome. I'm glad that you, you shared that with us. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So, and to tie it all back. So the conversation started with proactive training. Uh, so a lot of the health and wellness, uh, training that we do, uh, let's be honest is at this point is bullshit. Check the box training. We have to go to another mandatory resilience training that we've already been to for the last 10 years. And we've heard it all. I mean, I can, we can, we can sum that training up in about the next 30 seconds. Like, yeah. uh, Go hunt the good stuff, find the good stuff in life, find friends outside of work, uh, and maybe get in contact with nature. Like, like I, I'm yep. pretty sure, we've all, <laughs> right? I'm pretty sure we've all heard that training that yeah. takes an hour uh, to get through that. And so I probably just gave some folks some PTSD, quite frankly, because of <laughs> that check the box bullshit. Uh, and so we have to find a different approach. And so what we're starting to see is is 2016 when uh, the organization started, the health and wellness conversation has changed drastically in the last seven going on eight years, uh, let alone around the word yoga, uh, quite frankly. Uh, and so what we, the worst check the box training, if I'm going to get into a story real quick, uh, we went, we were invited to speak at a, at a health wellness resilience conference for some folks over on the East coast uh, and no joke, the speaker before us, this was for a major conference for uh, law enforcement that deal with incredibly terrible things. Uh, I'm not going to say the name of the organization because I don't want to poo-poo on the organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but of uh, the group of people, but the resilience person that they had in before us, and she read a study somewhere and she's not wrong, but we walk in and there's a room full of law enforcement officers coloring. That was their that was their resilience training for the day because I mean there are studies out there that say that like coloring is calming on the nervous system and that kind of stuff. But walked into a room of grown men dealing with some of society's worst offenders, and they're sitting there coloring on their book. We're like, holy hell! Like this yeah. is this yeah. is what got into. <laughs> and the, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, oh my god, what were they drawing on those things? <laughs> I'm sure right. I know this community is very inappropriate. So if you're listening to this, you probably know it was being drawn on those things. Yeah, they were not coloring within the lines of whatever they're coloring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's be honest. So, uh, but that's what we're competing with. I mean, that's honestly what we're competing with. And then we're also competing with the stigma of that if I do seek help, they're going to take away my badge. They're going to take away my firearm. They're going to yeah. take me off the truck. They're going to take me off the rig um, because historically that's been the way things are going. So people in our space and the space that you and, and we occupy, we've got an uphill fight already because that's what we're fighting against. And it's not by accident. And so we say that we're an adjunct to uh, things like peer support teams or an adjunct to EAP programs or an adjunct to because they all have their place. But why proactive is an important piece. And we'll dive into a little bit more of why I'm so confident in saying we're a proactive training tool. Uh, is that if we can move upstream a little bit, if we can become proactive, just maybe we'll stop one officer or one firefighter from even falling into the river in the first place. We're never going to catch them all. And so that's where talk therapy, EAP, peer support will always have a place. But if we can stop one from even falling in the river to start with, then we've done our job. Yeah. And that he has big downstream. Yeah. You know, that is literally, you just like explained our motto of one more is one less, which I will ask you at the end of this. Um, 
again, but yeah, that's, that's exactly how we started too. Um, but yeah, I think it's, that's the important step is to try to get one. That's like mission complete is if you can get one person from falling in that river. Yeah. Yeah. And so where some of the misconceptions about yoga lie, uh, you usually address this right up front. In fact, I just taught, came from a class where I literally taught, like, if you have 10 minutes, the first thing you have to teach people is to address the misconceptions of what yoga is. Uh, because your audience, uh, most people in public safety, let's be honest, they're going to say that they've tried yoga once as a hot yoga class. They hated it. That was me. Uh, Right. Like you, uh, (laughs) their only exposure is to P90X on the burn DVDs in the, in the weight room at the firehouse or at at the police station, like the, because everybody's got the stack of P90X DVDs in there and yoga is usually on the very, very bottom because I tried that one time and found out that it sucked. And so they never pull that DVD back out again. Um, Or their wife does it or their girlfriend does it. And it's usually because they want to look good in their Lululemon yoga pants, drinking pumpkin spice lattes. I said it. I said it all. Yes, you did. Yeah. And for October Uh, too, pumpkin spice. I know. Right. So, uh, and that's not by accident. That's all great marketing and branding of the yoga industry in the United States, quite frankly. And so that's why it's a multi-billion dollar industry. But the original intention of yoga is actually to have mastery over the mind and optimal functioning of the entire body, psychophysiological system. So that's actually what we're starting to train is how to have, how to have mastery of our mind because at the end of the day, if we can control our mind and control our thoughts, then that leads to a whole host of benefits on down the line. And there's a reason why uh, yoga, mindfulness, and meditation, I've said three words that most people, it's getting better in public safety, but most don't want to hear them. Yoga, mindfulness, meditation, we teach all three of them, uh, is the fact that they've been around for thousands of years and it's not by accident, it's because they work. Like, Let's be honest, our ancestors 5,000 years ago, if it didn't work, it wasn't sticking around because they didn't have time to do something that wasn't for survival at that point. And so the reason why these work is because we're actually working on the mind-body system and literally changing your physiology through yoga. Um, Modern day science has just now gotten to the point where it's effective enough, quite frankly, to measure why it's working which has helped our argument out a lot, honestly, because before it was all anecdotal. But the fact that now I can read your neurosteroid levels and read your hormone levels and watch your heart rate variability real time. Now I have proof and evidence to show why we do what we do works. And so it's just super cool. Um, So what we're doing with yoga, and I'm just going to roll. And so if you've got questions, interrupt me, man, because if something comes up or I have a question, I'll interrupt you, but send it. You're good. Yeah. Um, so what we're doing with yoga is really working on a proactive training system for your autonomic nervous system. Okay. So hear that again, a proactive training for your autonomic nervous system. So we've all heard at this point of uh, fight or flight, the challenge, the threat response of, of life, right? And so that's our nervous system's default because, again, of survival. So anytime that a stressful situation hits us, we're going to default into uh, fight or flight and the threat response. So we go into that survival response. The issue with the survival response is, is that we get high doses of cortisol and adrenaline. We've all heard those, we've all heard those terms at this point. And so 
there's another key piece and factor of that of a neurosteroid called DHEA, which we can get into later, but that's a very, very critical one because if we can adjust DHEA, we can adjust whether we're going to push into post-traumatic growth versus post-traumatic stress. And that's where the proactive nature of what we do comes in. Got it. Yep. So there's a lot of research out there that shows that in order to get higher levels of DHEA, we have to change our perception. It's super simple stuff, but that doesn't make it easy. Like I want to make sure people also hear that, that because it's simple, doesn't make it easy. Cool. Uh, I, I like that. I'm looking forward to hearing about that. Yeah. Is that, so if we can increase our DHEA in a stressful situation, we can push the needle towards post-traumatic growth, which pretty good when we're trying to cut yeah. down. Our- yes. That is what we want. <laughs> so why yoga, right? Why yoga? That's the question. Like, you, why are you fighting this? So I can train people in a modality of yoga to get your stress response in a very specific place. Uh, you're on SWAT team. So you're quite frankly, in my, from my lens, you're one of the elite performers on the police department uh, comparatively to some other folks. And so I can adjust your stress response. I can put you in a position such as a push-up position. If I hold you there long enough, you're at some point going to hit your stress response. I mean, you're going to start shaking. You will start to hold your breath. If I hold you there long enough, um, I can dial it up into a very, very sweet spot. And so how we do this is I watch two very key factors in yoga is that I watch your hands and I watch your breathing. So the breathing is the foundation of everything that we do. And so if I train you how to breathe correctly, you said you guys give breathing techniques uh, to your the people that you work with. It's the foundation of everything that we do, because if we change how we breathe, we can change our heart rate variability. We can engage the parasympathetic nervous system response. We can hit the brake on our body. And we can actually use breathing as an awareness tool so that if you start to think about the bad call that happened yesterday or what is going on tomorrow, uh, or you start wondering, like, get anxious because your kid's sleeping over at their boyfriend's house for the first night or whatever it is. I mean, let's be honest, like the things that like actually trigger us, the shitty email you get from your boss, you see that one guy's name pop up on your inbox. You're like, oh, you get activated, right? Yeah. If we can change the, how we breathe in that moment, if we take one conscious breath, we can actually interrupt the going into a sympathetic nervous system response. We can interrupt furthering that gas pedal. We can stop and interrupt and choose how we're going to respond to something versus reacting to something. So that's the key piece of the breath work. Then we use physical drills, uh, which everybody thinks of when they think of yoga. Uh, they don't think of tactical breath work, but that's where it starts. Then we do the physical drills. So like the sun salutations, uh, the high planks, the low planks, the up dogs, the down dogs. But I watch your breath work and I watch your hands. So I know that you're with me. So you're not checked out because it's too easy and you're not holding your breath because it's too hard. And so when I see that you're in that sweet spot, if you start to tip in that it's too hard, then I'm going to re-engage your breath work. I'm going to coach you over and over and over again. Do your three-part breath. Give re-engage three-part breath so that when you're stressed next time, your body is going to default into three-part breath. It's going to default into the brake pedal rather than the gas pedal. We're going to slow wow. everything down. It's why special operations folks do box breathing. I mean, box breathing is something we all have heard about at this point, right? Uh, they will fully admit that they use it when they're going into high stress situations. That's when they engage box breathing because the gas pedal is so far pressed down that they need to pull the body, mind, and nervous system back the other direction so they can be in that really focused spot. 
that's why they engage it. And so we're doing the same thing. We're tapping on that gas pedal. So we've got you right where we want you and then training you to re-engage that brake pedal a little bit. So this sounds a lot like EMDR. Have you heard of EMDR therapy? I have. And so what's really, really cool about it is, is that, so EMDR, um, what we're doing there is we're working bilateral parts of the brain, right? With stimulus response. And so what we're doing with yoga too, is like we work both the left and right side of the body independently. So we may have you do some core work where we're extending one arm out and one leg back and then switch sides and things like that. So we're working bilateral parts of the brain while introducing the breath work. And so now you're starting to see how we're also starting to process some of the stress out, make new new brain connections in the brain. Uh, And then because there's two more parts of the, of our protocol. So we've done the breath work, we've added the physical drills and added breath work in on top of it. And then now, uh, as we're doing our physical drills and stuff, we add in some cognitive behavioral therapy. So um, how we do that is, is that I already dropped the nugget about the perception of stress in the moment and post-traumatic growth versus post-traumatic stress. So the nervous system has the threat response, which we all know of, but it also has what's called a challenge response. And so the key differentiator between the two of them is that neurosteroid uh, DHEA. If we can increase our DHEA during a stressful event, we're moving into a challenge response. If we're moving lower levels of DHEA, we're moving into threat response. And what does DHEA stand for? Oh, man. Or or what what is that? Can you kind of break it down? Words I can't even say, man. Like there's stupid. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't blame you. Um, it's like a chemical compound that I can't even. I mean, I honestly, I can't. I can't even say say what it is. Okay. Uh, so I know it's a it's a neurosteroid. Um, here, I'll just read it. It's yeah. a hormone that your body naturally produces in the adrenal gland. Uh, it helps produce other hormones, including testosterone and estrogen. Um, the HA levels peak early in adulthood, then slowly fall as you age. So okay. uh, if I were to try to read this, I would say it's dehydroepiandrosterone. <laughs> good. Can you say that that's, in a sentence that's, now? <laughs> that's embarrassing as hell. So <laughs> I just call me, it I am I don't know how to <laughs> pronounce big words, spell, read really well, anything. You're okay. you're in good company. Good. Yeah. I know it as DHEA. Uh, and that's what it's in the literature as. So cool. I just, I didn't know about yeah. it at all and I've never heard about it. And I figured yeah. some people would be listening to this and be like, what the hell is DHEs? Yes. So I appreciate yeah. you looking it up. Well, and it's, it's one of the quote unquote newer neurosteroids in the world, AKA again, science is just now picking it up. It's always been there. It's, it's not like humans changed in the last 20 years. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just that science has gotten specific enough to find it and pick it up uh, and then learn why it works and how it works and what it does. Right. And so what they have found out is, is that that perception of the stress response. So this comes from works, uh, a, a lot of work done by Dr. Kelly McGonigal. She wrote the book called The Upside of Stress. If people want to read that fascinating book uh, to, to pick up is that we can actually change the perception of stress. And so when I have you in a posture where I have you starting to shake, starting to be frustrated, starting to not breathe correctly, I'm coaching the breathing, but I'm actually going to ask my students during yoga class to talk to me out loud. So I'm going to ask them, uh, is this a challenge or a threat? And I have coached them so that they respond back to me challenge. 
So now you can see that we're starting to rewire the brain that while they're under stress, their brain is now starting to think of this stress as challenge. It's a challenge response. And so I, the immediate question is, is like, well, that's all great and fine, Eric, but that's stress in a yoga class. What happens when the bad guy comes out of the house at me? You know, that's, that's different. That's not yoga class. Well, our bodies only have so many buttons and levers to push. So I hate to break it to you, but it's actually the same physiological response. It's the same adrenaline, same cortisol, same DHEA. It's just a matter of what ratio those are being elicited. And so if I can train your body, train your nervous system so that when it activates in a stress response to default into the challenge response, you're dropping higher doses of DHEA in your system. So report forcing your body to choose post-traumatic growth instead of post-traumatic stress. Yeah. And I, so I think that's super important. And I, I relate it to my job where is if you're, you're in that high stress situation and then it, it kind of hits that that pedal back down to the brake a little bit and gets you a little bit more clarity yep. uh, for being a police officer these days, things happen so quickly and it may be like a split second decision where you don't know if you're going to go hands on or have to use your firearm where simple tools like this may be able to give you a little bit extra yeah. clarity or to be able to process things a little bit quicker. Yeah. And so the science behind this gets even more fascinating because then we're, we're in a stress response. We typically default into the amygdala part of our brain, the reptilian part of our brain. And so when we're in a stress response by nature, it's shutting off the prefrontal cortex, the thinking part of our brain. And so now we're making decisions in those moments from the survival part of our brain versus the thinking part of our brain. And if we actually continue to breathe inappropriately, for example, high tight in our chest, which is very common in a high stressful situation, that's actually sending signals to our body that we're really under threat. And so you can actually see, uh, and honestly, man, this is where like as a firefighter, I feel for my law enforcement brothers and sisters because we know why what's happening in the brain is happening in the brain. And then all of a sudden they end up on TikTok and YouTube and they're like, oh, I don't know what happened to Joe. That that's, Joe's never done that before. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know but you can, we can literally break down the science of what's going on. And so this is typically an amygdala hijack. Joe's a great guy, but his brain, his reptilian brain took over and it's not by accident. And so what happens there is, is if we can take one conscious breath in that moment, it actually re-engages the prefrontal cortex, the thinking part of the brain and can slow down that amygdala hijack. And so this is why it's super critical for law enforcement uh, that we, when we do trainings. We try to train platoons, beats, whatever y'all call them uh, together so that when you show up, when somebody else shows up, they can actually assess your breathing. Be like, hey, man, like do one of those breaths, like do one of those breaths. They don't even need to know what it is, but you've all been trained in it. So yeah. you're like, oh yeah. And then one breath and it slows it down, but we're working from that common operating picture then instead of some buddy just telling me to calm down and breathe deeply, you know, like we start yeah, to understand that, that doesn't really work. Like when you tell <laughs> people, like, hey, calm down, you'll be fine. You calm down, take a deep breath. They're like, I don't, I don't calm down. But, right? Yeah. And I, I'm thinking about an incident that occurred yesterday where, where I probably could have benefited from that. Um, before I had to deal with this, where it was like a, a high stress situation where you're running into a house and yep. you, you find someone in the backyard and it's like, before you go into that backyard or make an approach, you take one of your deep breaths or you do some sort of, okay, give me two seconds to kind of take a deep breath, gather my thoughts and then go into it. 
Yeah, and that's the thing is like, uh, because I'm a firefighter, I always pull out the dickhead cop as my example. But it's always in my trainings. It's the dickhead cop in the back of the room. He's like, wait, so you want me to do down dogs on a felony stop? We're like, no, jackass, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that you better have your mind correct and your breathing correct before you approach that felony stop so you don't end up on TikTok and YouTube because if you don't have that stuff correct because of something really shitty that just happened. Yeah. It's probably the call just previous that is still carrying over into this moment. And we haven't properly emotionally transitioned from that to this. And so that's when we're highly susceptible uh, to make poor choices and poor decisions because we're already activated. We're already amped up. We're already coming out of the amygdala of our brain instead of the prefrontal cortex is that that's when that key breath, I do expect you to take one conscious three-part breath, as we call it, get your shit together and then get back to work, go to action. And you can, you just said it. And I fully, I will argue this until I'm blue in the face that no matter the incident at some point, you have time for one conscious breath. You have time. It's a matter of picking picking the right time. You have time for one breath. Yeah. For one. And that seems right. So you did mention three part breath and that's what you guys teach. Do you mind talking a little bit about the three part breath? No, in fact, I'll teach it to you because this is the golden nugget of everything. Yes, everything. thank you. I get a free training here. Yeah, man, uh, this is it. this is it. Um, and so I'm just going to put a capstone on our protocol, and then we'll come back to that. So we did the breath work, which I'm going to teach you three part breath immediately following. We did the physical drills and the cognitive behavioral therapy about rewiring the brain. And the last thing we do to end our classes uh, is what we call neurological reset. It's a mindfulness practice, a meditation practice. Um, to give our public safety folks a real time to hit the brake pedal. And most people, if I walk into a room of cops and say, hey, we're going to meditate for five minutes, eh, it's getting a little bit better, but most of them will be like, I'm out. Like, yeah. not, not going to do it. Uh, but we give them tools that are so reasonable and simple for them to do that no joke, um, as a stranger, I can walk into a cop shop, teach a yoga class, put them in neuro reset, and they fall asleep with a stranger in the room and the door is wide open because they're so sleep deprived. And they finally have found a way that they can down regulate in a short amount of time. And so the fact that we can do that is critical. Uh, when you we were just talking about your shift work and that kind of stuff, firefighters putting themselves back to sleep after a canceled call, even they didn't even leave the station, but just to put them yeah, back to sleep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the SWAT call outs and trying to get yourself wound back like down-regulated after that. Um, it's called active regulation, uh, emotional survival of surviving, emotional survival for law enforcement. Uh, that book talks about the 24 to 48 hours in a neutral, calm environment to, to come back down after one activated event. That's not reality. You're back at work long before 24 to 48 hours happens. Yeah, I, I had, I would say three, four critical of those in like 24 hours. So that's that's not the... The normal, but that can happen in our community. Yeah, and listen, listen. There, and then you go home. And you got bills to pay, kids to feed, a, a wife, dogs running and around, laundry to do. That's not a neutral, sterile environment. Let's be yeah. very, very clear. So, what they mean by neutral, sterile environment is basically a padded room. Not joking. Like that's that's what they are talking about in that book. Unless there is a line after it that says, "Unless you can find active regulations," that's what we're teaching. Is the active regulation piece. So in the moment, three-part breath. Um, and I wanted to teach this at some point during the show, so we might as well do it now. Um, 
where people tune out because they're tired of listening to me talk about science and shit. So <laughs> uh, three-part breath is super easy. It is the foundation of everything that we do. It's the only non-negotiable of what we teach because it's so important. Uh, and so we'll teach it and then I'll give a little bit more as to why it's that non-negotiable. All right. So to get into the three-part breath, uh, we're sitting down uh, so you can stay seated. Everybody who's listening to this is probably seated or driving. Don't do it. I mean, you can do it if you're driving, but don't, don't close your, your eyes, please. Don't, don't close your eyes. Don't take your hands off the steering wheel. All those disclaimers that they have to put out for the lawyers. So just don't do it without chance. <laughs> Whatever the lawyers are coming after us for, don't do that. Okay. <laughs> Um, so take your hands, put them down like where your belt would be uh, if you have a belt on. And then we're going to breathe in through our nose and out through our nose as much as possible. If you have a deviated septum or whatever is going on, work towards breathing through your nose. There's a lot of research as to why, but just stick with me. So we're going to breathe into our nose and we're going to breathe down so that our belly pushes out against our hands. And as you exhale, the belly draws back in. Inhale, the belly pushes out. And exhale, the belly draws back in. And this may feel a little bit weird. Keep going on your own because we're used to breathing high in our chest. And so it feels a little bit odd to now be breathing down with our belly pushing in and out. So inhale, the belly pushes out. Exhale, the belly draws back in. Take your right hand and put it on your rib cage, kind of like where your uh, vest would go or your SCBA strap. So it's up a little bit and then give, really push into those rib cage, that rib cage so it has something to press against. So now when we breathe in, the belly is going to push out first and then the ribs are going to exp expand. So press against those ribs or the hand and then exhale, the ribs deflate first and then the belly draws back in. Inhale, belly, ribs, exhale, ribs deflate, then the belly deflates. Inhale, belly, ribs. Exhale, ribs, belly. Now take the hand that's on the ribs and put it on your chest below your clavicles. And as you breathe in, the belly pushes out first. The ribs expand outwards and the chest inflates just a touch. And then exhale, the chest deflates first. Then the ribs come back in and then the belly deflates. Inhale, belly, ribs, chest, Exhale, chest deflates, ribs deflate, belly deflates. Inhale, belly, ribs, chest. Exhale, chest, ribs, belly. And that's it. That's three-part breath. So you can see why we call it three-part breath. Belly, ribs, chest, chest, ribs, belly. So what we're doing with that particular breathing pattern is, is if we breathe into our nose, we breathe down into our belly, and then we extend the exhale longer than the inhale. So if we do a count of say, inhale for three and exhale for five, we're guaranteeing to hit the parasympathetic nervous system, guaranteeing to hit the brake pedal of your body. So when somebody says, I've tried yoga, it's not for me. I always say, well, you haven't done my type of yoga where you're using the wrong tool for the wrong job, number one. And number two, it will work for you unless you're telling me that your physiology is different than the other 8 billion people running around on planet earth, because I don't care about stretching. I don't care about touching your toes. I care about manipulating your heart rate rhythms and your brain patterning through how you breathe and how you move your body. That's what we're training. And so that's why that three-part breath is the only non-negotiable of what we do. Yeah, it makes sense. And 
tell you this right now. If I was laying down and had my eyes closed, I would probably be asleep about 18 seconds into it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the brake pedal, right? And yeah. so, and so when we're in activated state and first responders, public safety, we live in a constantly activated state. We just said we can't find a neutral sterile environment for 24 to 48 hours. That's not going to happen. And so we're constantly active. And so we have got to actively downregulate. We have to downregulate at some point. And even if we do this for a few minutes, guess what? We're still going to go be able to go out and perform the job tomorrow. Like that's not, in fact, you're going to perform it better because you've actually taken your foot off the gas pedal for 10 seconds, you know? Uh, so with the breathing, with that three-part breath, we're actually working on the diaphragm. We're re-engaging the diaphragm muscle, which um, is critical to breathing. We usually lose that, uh, you know, by the time we're, I don't know, six, eight, 10 years old. Like I have a 10 month old at home right now and she breathes down into her belly. That's how she breathes. It's our natural state of breathing. But if you walk around and look at people breathing today, it's all high, high and tight in our chest because of stress. It is what it is. And so by re-engaging that diaphragm, then we're starting to massage the vagus nerve and the vagus nerve then creates, uh, is afferent and sends signals up to the brain that it's in a calm, safe environment. So it's actually re-engaging prefrontal cord. I mean, we could dive into the science behind why this works, but yeah, when yeah, yeah. yoga doesn't work for me or it's not for me, they're saying that their physiology at the end of the day, I, I push back on that. So yeah. Cause well. they're probably going to their 24 hour fitness or yoga studio or doing online yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Talking about what you teach and yeah, exactly right. And so uh, that three-part breath. So then, if I'm training that over and over and over and over again in stressful situations in a yoga class, aka high plank or just standing with your hands above your heads for two minutes, um, the more we train it there, the more your body defaults that as its typical breathing pattern. Just like anything, it, the more we train on it, the more it becomes habit. Uh, so we argue that this training that we provide needs to be uh, from recruitment through retirement because from recruitment, like I want to put this, I'll be honest, our goal and our vision is to put this in the community colleges where kids uh, are going through for their EMT class or they're getting their criminal justice degree or whatever it is, you know, where they're, that's the foundation of it because that is where recruitment for these professions start. And we need to start training these kinds of skills at that point. So that by the time they get into academy, they're like, oh, shit, I've already learned this back in school, you know, like, and then it's not weird in academy because we learned it in school and it's not weird in academy because our FTOs are doing it, you know? Yeah. And, so and that's the ultimate goal with us as well with, with therapy and having all these resources and everything. And it's, um, and like, it's just, it's so difficult to do. And I feel like there's a slow progression uh, especially for like the, the mental health side of things. Like when I went through the police Academy, there was no, um, we call them learning domains. There was no learning domain on mental health or resilience oh. or anything like that. Now there is, which is a step in the right direction. Absolutely. Uh, but you, you learn that in the Academy and then you go to FTO where you experience all of these traumas for the first time. And if it's not recognized the same way as it was in the Academy and like, Hey, it's okay to do this. And then you go into your department in FTO when you're not going to say anything um, and you're 21, 22, 23, seeing the worst of humanity. Um, that's where it shifts in that negative aspect. I feel like where it's like, okay, it was okay in the Academy, but here it's not okay. And I'm, and that's obviously needs to be changed. 100%. I mean, let's be honest, the kids coming out of Academy, 
the academy instructors are their best friend for those 12, 16, 24 weeks or whatever it is. And then their FTO, if they're good ones, become their idol. Like let's like the, yeah. the, when they get out of academy, their FTO is going to be like, Hey kid, everything you just learned in the academy, it's all bullshit. This is how yeah. we actually do it. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I mean, and you're being graded on literally everything that you do. And like, yeah. my first, and I, I posted a video on it. Um, Recently, it was a podcast I did where it was one of my first weeks and went to a, a suicide via gunshot wound to the head and there was no, no debrief for it. Nothing. I was 21 years old. So right. That, and that stuff happens regularly and we don't know what kind of childhood trauma that we as first responders or service members have experienced prior right. to getting into that profession. Um, yeah. It's just yeah, go down a whole new road of that. Right. Totally. And so, and then some of the other fascinating, I pulled this from uh, the IFF. They had, a, they put a video out about for their peer support program of, of, I don't know, gosh, it's probably been seven or eight, 10 years ago. Uh, but they had a clinician in there and this has been corroborated and backed up by more and more research, and more and more studies, but our nervous systems, our mind and our nervous systems, they actually do a, a fairly good job of putting themselves back together after the big, bad and ugly incident. They really, really do. Um, and then we have the tools for those incidents as well. Critic, the SISM teams, peer support, things like that. We've got great more and more pro quote unquote proactive tools uh, that they're scanning our CAD feeds and whatnot and saying, hey, you've been on three level one incidents or whatever it is over the last 48 hours, you should probably do X, Y, or Z or whatever, you know? So that's kind of technology is coming out and that's considered quote unquote proactive, but let's be honest, that's still saying from a reactive state, you've been to three shitty incidents over the last 48 hours, you should probably do something. Yes. And so we're again, from the proactive side of things is, is that, and where the nervous system fails is the cumulative stress load. So the mind and body and nervous system is actually extremely bad at handling cumulative stress day after day after day after day. And so when we put on our biofeedback machines, like, uh, and you can do this even with your Apple watch or your, your Android watch, whatever it is, most of our aura ring or whatever wearable most of us are using, look at the difference in your metrics when you're at work versus not at work, just from putting the uniform on you were going into an activated state. I mean, the, 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 you can literally see it on your aura ring. Your heart rate is elevated the entire time you're at work compared to when you're at home. And so while the big, bad, and ugly is obviously not great, it's that day today, 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 today stress. And believe it or not, it's not just the calls. Let's be honest, the calls are usually what gives us the break from a lot of the bullshit stress that's, ad, that's admin over time community perceptions, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, and then the calls actually give us a bit of relief because that's what we signed up for. Yeah. But that's still a set of trauma in and of itself. And so it's that constant drip. Uh, when I had, uh, he's now the chief of Boise police department actually explained it really, really well. He said, okay, think of it this way. If I were to tap you on your shoulder, it doesn't hurt. But what if I tapped you on your shoulder nonstop? for 30 years what's your arm gonna look like like it's that drip of water right that constant drip of water that's made the grand canyon like that constant tapping on our nervous system every time we go to work every time we put our uniform on every time we get that every time we do anything that's where we have to build proactive stress training so that we can handle that 30 years of tapping on our nervous system. because if we don't 
nothing is going to change. We're throwing more resources at this point to our public safety personnel. We're bringing mental health wellness conversation out of the shadows and starting to throw resources at it. And yet we can all see the numbers. I, of Our suicides are continuing to go up. Like I don't pull the punches. Like every one of those should hurt all of us. And they do. That's why you and I are in the businesses that we're in, right? And so if we've got to find a way that as we continue to throw money and resources at these, that again, moving upstream, if we can proactively start to train the mind, body, and nervous system to handle the inevitable stress of tomorrow better, we should probably put those into place. And that's why we want to be in the schools, in the academy, so that this becomes basic training, just like every other perishable skill that you train on. Because just like running a seven-minute mile, if I stop running, I'm not going to be able to run a seven-minute mile anymore. If I stop doing CrossFits, I'm no longer going to be able to do muscle-ups. If I stop doing my breathwork, mindfulness, and yoga practice, guess what? It too has diminishing returns because it's autonomic fitness. Life doesn't stop. You have to continually train anything that's fitness oriented. That's why we train our basic skills every single year. Arrest control tactics, handcuffing, like basic one-on-one stuff. We train constantly because if we don't, we lose those skills. And so we actually went under, uh, I'm, I'm excited about this. We've under put our protocol. We said, okay, fine. Let's test this out. If it doesn't work, we'll quit. I'll go home. I'll go start another business, whatever. So we're like, let's put it out on the line. And we put ourselves under clinical review twice at this point. So we have two published studies on our protocol. We did one in 2020 that was a pilot study, a six-week online program, one-hour commitment a week. Uh, so like a 15-minute lecture class on Monday and two 15-minute yoga classes. With that, in that study, they found out that the uh, people that were able to complete the study, we had a statistically significant change in their perception of stress, meaning they changed their stress response from a threat response to a challenge response. That's awesome from what we talked about previously. Yeah. So I said, okay, let's try it again. That's great. Let's do it bigger. So we did a full in-person randomized clinical study with police departments and fire departments throughout Colorado, up and down the front range. Uh, and what they showed at from that, what the results are showing from that is um, this is in peer review now. So it's not technically published, but it's being reanalyzed to make sure that it all holds up. So what the study showed is, is that through our protocol and through our training, uh, we were able to reduce post-traumatic stress symptomology in the people that went through our training. Great. That's awesome. That's important. But more importantly, the folks that had post-traumatic stress indicators that were not quite bad enough to put them into the diagnosable category. So these are sub-threshold PTSD, sub-threshold. These are the people that are at risk of going into post-traumatic stress. They saw the most benefit out of the protocol. They had the most decrease in their symptomology. And after three months of the protocol, if they did it one time a week, they kept their post-traumatic stress symptomology off, which now shows that we are a proactive training tool to reduce post-traumatic stress in public safety. And that's awesome. Love it. I'm yeah. super stoked. Yeah, that, that's a huge, huge win. Yeah. Yes. It's, Congrats. That's awesome. Yeah. And so now I just got to get people to stop thinking that yoga is about the Lululemon yoga pants 
pumpkin spice lattes, which is why, honestly, <laughs> which is why, honestly, like we're thankful to be able to do shows like this and, yeah. and meet yeah, people, yeah, yeah. audiences because this is exactly it. This is the mission. This is getting people to change their perception about what that is. And hopefully they've stuck with us to, to learn that what we're up to, what we're doing uh, can have profound impacts uh, on their body, mind, and nervous system. And, yeah. And I, and I think it's, it's important for you guys and, um, and every nonprofit, every business that's, that's doing great things for the community. Obviously it's like, that's where the collective part of the Overwatch collective came into play. Cause it's not like we're over here doing our thing. And it's like, yeah, this is all us. We don't want to work with anybody else. You know, like right. it is literally a team effort. And like what you said before, where it's like, if we can help one person from not falling into the river, into the cracks, like we have so many resources, so many amazing people in this country that are doing great work for that same exact reason. And we're providing confidential therapy with vetted yeah. therapists and we can financially assist you. You guys are working on yoga and you can do training virtually in person, all this stuff. And there's like so many different tools, but like how, like we need to all work together. To yes. To that. So that's a great yeah. effort, you know? So yeah, and I and I love it, and I love our clinicians, and honestly, we have a lot of clinicians that have come through our training, and they love it too, because what folks when they go into uh, therapy don't realize is that the prefrontal cortex can still be disengaged, and so a lot of therapists will actually introduce some kind of breath work or something like that before they start therapy to re-engage prefrontal cortex back online. So if they know that you're coming in with a baseline that oh you've already done breathwork mindfulness meditation practices through a partner like yoga for first responders, for example, they love it because then they know their officers and their firefighters and their medics and their dispatchers are coming in with a foundation and they don't seem like they're open and apt to it because they understand we've taught the science and reason why behind it. The therapists then use that to open up the prefrontal cortex, get a better session out of therapy, quite honestly. And then between sessions, we'll go back and say, okay, between when you see me this week and next week, go home and do five minutes of that breath work three times a week before between now and then. Yeah. You know? that and so it all 100% works together like this. It, so, yeah, it, it does. And it's, it's super important. I think to have, that baseline, if we're talking about breathing, for example, is because number one, yeah, a therapist may be able to tell your baseline, but also you can as well. So that's why in, in EMDR, when uh, the eye movement desensitization reprocessing, um, eye, eye movement desensitization reprocessing. Yeah, there we go. Um, they, before they start it, they find like a safe place and you work on your breathing so that when you do go through this probably the worst time of your life, major critical incident, you're reliving that and you have all the five senses, you remember everything, you smell everything. When you start to get triggered and you start to see the breathing in the hands, like is what you focus on as well. Um, you kind of hit those breaks. You go back to your safe place and focus on your breathing. So it literally all goes. It does. Circle. It's it, great. It, it really, really, really does. And so, and you said something too about baseline. So this is something important too, is that the more we practice self-awareness tools, like breathing mindfulness meditation, which at the end of the day is what we're doing through the modality of yoga, is, is that a lot of, for a lot of our folks, they don't even know that they're off center. They don't even know that they've, you know, they don't even know that they're off baseline because let's be honest, in our culture, baseline is so far removed from what is actually should be quote unquote normal baseline for a human for an adult human being like 
it's no big deal to like for <laughs> we did a when I went through my peer support training, we did I, I didn't know this. I was dumb. I didn't realize that there was literally like a check like a scorecard for like your alcohol abuse syndrome spectrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which everybody usually lies on. <laughs> Which right. And so like I pulled out about this, like, like this is a tool that you guys sent me to learn about. This is what the clinicians are gonna use, like this. So this is what they use. And so we started doing a sit around the table at one of these shift meetings and started to check the boxes. And, be, and it, none of us feel like we have a drinking problem because we're surrounded by the same people that have the same drinking problem, quite frankly, that we do, you know? So it just yep. moves that normalization off of center. And so what these tools do between therapy and between yoga, mindfulness, and meditation is it allows you that space actually to just have that one thought like, maybe I shouldn't be drinking whiskey at seven o'clock in the morning just to get through the day. Yeah. Or to try to go to sleep, to wind down. Yeah. Right. Like, listen, I'm a huge fan of whiskey. I'm a, I like whiskey. I'm never going to say, say don't drink. Uh, I know there's a lot of science out there that shows the extreme health risks to alcohol, even one drink a day, but I'm going to be honest, man, I really like the taste of whiskey. So I'm going to, but this is my argument oh. is, know why you're drinking it and drink it for the right reasons. Don't just drink it to put yourself to sleep, numb shit, push it on the carpet, that kind of stuff. That's the issue, right? It's not, I don't first, I don't honestly have an issue with anybody saying, Hey, let's go, let's go get a sip of whiskey and enjoy and truly enjoy dissecting it. And the conversation that comes over it while we're sitting out by a campfire. Like that's, that's my jam, man. You know? And I, I think it's so common in our community too, is like, First responders and military drink a lot. Every single, like at our fundraisers, we're always like, uh, can we potentially get two bars instead of one? Because, you know, our community drinks a lot. And then you go to weddings and everybody's drinking or you go to all these events or you do like choir practice or uh, you need to go do your debriefs after shift and you either go to a local parking lot or you go to a restaurant and it could be 0700 on Monday morning where you're eating breakfast and you're down in three, four, five beers and then you're driving home and passing out. Um, yeah, it's just, it's the norm. It's just like the culture and it's like kind of what you do where like alcohol is the most easily accessible negative coping mechanism, I would say. Yeah. It's in, usually in every household, it yeah. makes you feel good. It makes you forget about things temporarily. Yeah. Uh, it can help you get to sleep, but then it's not yeah. a happy sleep. You wake up, you, the memory's still there. The trauma's still there. And yeah. you have a headache and it's expensive. Right. I mean, and you hit on everything. And so we, and this is the, the difference. Uh, so we say that using agents like alcohol, other risky behaviors, whatever it might be, those are all tools to try to relax the nervous system, quite frankly, because the nervous system is active and booze works like exactly where reason it works because it is the, the depressant. And that's what we need uh, to just push that, we try to push that brake pedal a little bit. So listen, if you don't know why you're drinking, you're probably because you're trying to push that brake pedal a little bit. Let's be honest. We all know that. We, we all know that. But what we're teaching that is the difference between relaxation and regulation. So the really, really key piece to this or an example of this, and this is why we actually call what we do mental hygiene rather than uh, is because let's talk about, let's pull the example to oral hygiene. If we didn't regulate our mouth. If we didn't brush our teeth twice a day and floss, there's high probability that your partner's 
going to say, Hey, you should probably go brush your teeth. Your breath fucking stinks. Like, like, honestly, teeth are going to fall out. And that's not weird. That's not weird. In fact, we do it because we don't want somebody saying, Hey, you should probably go brush your teeth. And so oral hygiene isn't weird because we were taught how to do it from, I mean, hell, I'm giving my 10 month old a toothbrush to let her suck on in her mouth as she's getting ready for bed right now, as we're changing diapers and whatnot. So from 10 months on, your oral hygiene is just part of our routine, part of our culture. But mental hygiene is weird. It's for those hippies over there doing that kind of shit uh, because they're doing breath work, yoga, mindfulness stuff because it wasn't trained and ingrained into us as 10 month olds when it could have been. And then it's carried through forward and then it's just part of our, our normal routine. And so because of that, we grab for the easy relax button rather than having mental hygiene and continually regulating uh, our mind and nervous system. And so that's kind of a way we can give that example. And so uh, the question always comes up like, okay, so how often, right? How often should I do what you guys teach? Ideally, you'll do breath work for three to five minutes a day. Sounds an awful lot like maybe brushing your teeth. Like if you were to do breath work, honestly, if you were able to do three-part breath for three to five minutes a day, that's what it would take. If you could add in some spine movement and do some movement to actually process some of the stress out of your tissues as well, that'd be better. And you can still do that within three to five minutes. But I would prefer three to five minutes daily than one 60-hour class a week. And so when we say we don't have time, there's an ideal time, and I just alluded to it, when you're brushing your teeth, you have your toothbrush in your mouth which means you're breathing through your nose. So start to be intentional with your breathing while you're brushing your teeth. Like don't overcomplicate this shit, keep it simple. And you'll have, it's the consistency that'll have the effect and the impact on your life. So as crazy as it sounds, as you're brushing your teeth, breathing through your nose, then you just start to repeat to yourself, challenge, 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 and start to rewire, rewire that brain rewire rewire your default mode network as, as it's called so don't overcomplicate it yeah i i like that too and i've i've done podcasts before where um we've had people talk about breathing and the importance of it and uh like after a call for service if you're sitting in your patrol car or if you're in an ambulance or you're a dispatcher and you hang up that 911 call and you have officers in group like if you can take a few deep breaths and w- focus on that three-step breathing um, that will benefit you in the long run if it becomes a habit. I really like the mental hygiene. I've never heard of that term before. It explained that way at all. Um, And that's cool. The more and more I get to to meet amazing people and to hear different explanations of essentially kind of the same thing, which is all like taking care of your body. Um, But that's really cool. I'm going to steal that one from you. Totally. I will yeah. use it, but I will give you credit. I appreciate, <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. it. Yeah. Cool. Well, I mean, it's a powerful one because it just drives the point home. You know, it really, really does. Because uh, it's so simple. And and I know, like, and that's the other profound thing is I go around and it's like, I listen to podcasts, run a lot of podcasts. And it's like, shit, we are all saying the same thing. So either we are all fucking crazy or <laughs> there may actually be a thread of truth yeah. to this basic human physiology pieces of it. You know, I think we're actually onto something. I think we're onto something here. (laughs) Just maybe. Just maybe. And so, no. And so that's where, like, as far as like what we do, um, we don't have yoga studios. We don't, we go to you. We go to, we go 
we train in the police stations, we train in the fire stations, we train in your training rooms. I'm literally in a simulation lab in a hospital right now because we're working yeah. with medical professionals, as, as I said in the pre-meeting uh, at this point. So we're training people where they train. And that's yeah. sort of different and unique uh, about what we do. Uh, and then the other piece, like I tell people all the time, my biggest competitor is that local yoga teacher, but it's not the specialized tool for the specialized job because everybody's married. Let's, let's be honest. And besides nurses, every cop and firefighter also has a dream about their local yoga teacher. Uh, that's why it's the basis of every porno out there. I mean, yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> right. well, and there's, that brings right. up a whole different topic of conversation. Um, with, I didn't uh, mean, I didn't mean I don't to know. Go. you're good. One of our, one of our therapists, uh, Destiny Morris, she runs, uh, she does individual therapy, a couple of therapy, and then also runs first responder partner therapy group sessions. Yeah. Um, she talks a lot about pornography addiction. So as we mention that, I will mention her. So uh, really? another, another great resource out there. Um, yeah. Her, not the, not the porn. Uh, yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, yeah. And again, like, I mean, it all comes back down to the brain is wired. It's all comes yeah. back down to that dopamine addiction, like trying yeah. to, again, numb the stress response and, and we do the reason why that she can talk to more but from my understanding it's easy it's accessible it's that quick release same the same exact reason why we grab for booze it's same addiction just different yeah yeah yep okay. exactly uh, um and so so getting back to uh what you guys do at yoga for first responders you mentioned that you you go to uh the department you're at the hospital now um so Kind of just getting like back into a little bit about what you guys do, how people can get uh, yeah. you guys to their department, to their military unit um, yeah. as we start kind of getting towards the end of this. Yeah, so totally. Totally. So there's really we have four main ways to interact with agencies. Um, so number one is we travel across the country and do in-service training. So most agencies at this point have mandated health and wellness hours. And so if agencies are tired of the check the box bullshit, excuse me, training you've done for the last years and you want to actually use proactive, clinically proven tools, we travel every week to different parts of the country to do in-service training. So one, two, four, six, eight hours, whatever you can give that we have an in-service training curriculum for that. Um, so that's number one. That's usually how people start, quite frankly, because uh, right. it's kind of dipping the toe in, right? Like we're going to give this to our people. Yep, give it a try. Yeah. And in that kind of class, we start, if it's an hour class, for example, we'll always start with the lecture first, 30 minutes of some of the basic science behind why we do what we do. So that our officers, our firefighters, our medics, whatever, always have a foundational understanding of why we do what we do. Because let's be honest, anytime a new protocol proposal initiative comes out, the first question everybody asks is why? <laughs> you know, and then so cost. Why and then cost? Is it going to cost us money? And yes, yeah. exactly. So we always start with why, and then we do hands-on training because you do that three-part breath. I've literally given you the golden thread of what we do, and so we teach tools, skills that they can use from that day going forward. So that's in-service training. Um, we do then most people will back in-service training up with our on-demand apps. So we have apps on your iOS, Android phones. 
Um, so just search YFFR. You can download it as individuals on there. Um, or we do uh, agency subscriptions at a much reduced cost uh, because of the bulk discount buy. Um, our on-demand app, for example, uh, we are a nonprofit, but we do have to keep the lights on and run our business. Um, that is a common misconception about nonprofits is that uh, well, you, you're charging for your service. Yes, because uh, I want to continue to support first responders. And guess what? I have to put food on my table, too. So, yes, right. um, so we do charge for our services, uh, but the app for first public safety, 48 bucks a year. Like most people are charging 48 to a hundred dollars a month. Like we're 48 bucks a year for, for the app. So if you can't afford that, like, I'm sorry, we'll give it to you for free. Honestly, like to reach out for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so in-service training on demand app. We then have another online protocol that we do. It's a six week class. Um, that we can issue out or we can, and we have in-service training on there too. So like um, national park, uh, national wildlife, park and wildlife, uh, they were, their agents, their deputies are all across the country to pull them all back into one centralized training is not going to happen. So we built an online learning management system. It's the same kind of online training you've done now, but it's our two hour in-service training and that's six week block. So that's another option. Uh, And then we do train the trainers. Our last way that we do, uh, things is train the trainers. So we have at this point, uh, 400 trained, we've trained 600. We've got 400 that are actively going, but 400 trained instructors across the country, coast to coast, border to border. And so they can do drop-in classes. They can do weekly classes, uh, at the fire station, at the police station, things like that. And then how we worked with say San Joaquin County Sheriff's office, Chicago marshal service here in the hospital is we're doing a train the trainer program. So we're actually training their staff on how to teach our protocol so that they can teach it in briefings. They can teach it um, during standard uh, PT time for the Academy students. It's Academy instructors. So that's really kind of our good way for agencies to make it a sustainable program is because they can train that's, Portland, for example, put 30 of their officers through our training. So now they've got 30 people across the organization that can teach it at the different precinct houses. They can teach mm-hmm. it in the academy. They can teach yeah. it. Uh, back. Yeah, that, that community outreach program, because it's not just for the officers, but I've got testimonials from officers that then take our breathwork stuff. And uh, the one I'm thinking of is they had a teenage girl that parents call because she was just blowing up the house. And instead of going in and ripping her out and pulling her out in handcuffs and everything else, because he was trained in these techniques and he felt them himself, he was able to go in and actually talk with this girl, take her through some breathing exercises, re-engage prefrontal cortex, and then yeah. she gets to walk out of the house on her own to put herself into the patrol car. She does not get to go away, but she get, it's a, changes that girl's interaction with law enforcement for the rest of her life. Yep. Instead of the guy that comes in and rips her out of her house and forever, ever from now on, it's F the police. It's, yeah. oh, Officer David took care of me. He helped me through that. He's, you know, that changes the dynamic of community and law enforcement forever for that girl. Yeah. Uh, and he gets to share because he learned it as a breathing technique in a yoga class that his department provided. So, so those are the four main ways, in-service trainings, app on your phones, online platform, and then train the trainer. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I, I think that's awesome. So anywhere in the United States, essentially anybody can reach out to you, yeah. uh, obviously download the app and, uh, connect with you guys and learn more and potentially get you out in person. Right. 
Yeah, Yoga for First Responders, uh, all spelled out, .org, uh, as a nonprofit. Uh, on Instagram, Facebook, I know a lot of law enforcement is in it on either one of those. So if you're on there, it's Facebook. Uh, you might be on there as shadow names. I get it. Yeah, but, yeah, fake names. Yeah, I've got plenty of friends all over there that are interesting names. Uh, but yeah, Facebook, Instagram, same type thing. Uh, Yoga for First Responders. The App Store is just search YFFR. Uh, Yoga for First Responders on there. Uh, and then email address is super easy. It's Eric at Yoga for First Responders dot org. I mean, yeah. try to keep it simple for people. I mean, yeah. I don't overcomplicate it and so reach out and let's uh have a conversation where we can go so um i'm not sure when this is going to air that's a great question do you have any idea when this might air uh yeah so i'm actually i just got a text from our guy that does like our uh podcast and um uh our podcasts when we do them like kind of professionally in person yeah. like bigger episodes um so this will probably air da -da 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 as i look at the calendar uh, Friday, November 3rd or Friday, November 10, uh, Great. which November 10th is the Marine Corps birthday. So that's a special day. Um, Oops. so yeah, either November 3rd or the 10th, this one will air. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, we do have a train the trainer program. If you have listeners in Florida, uh, or the Southeast, uh, that's going to be hosted by, uh, Escambia County Sheriff's office, Pensacola, uh, area of Florida. Yeah. That's where the blue angels are housed at. Right. Exactly. Right. So that'll be the first full week of December. So you can sign right. up for that on the website too. Uh, if you're interested, otherwise it's, uh, looking like we may be in Southern California in the first part of 2024. So we try to be smart where we go. We're not going to go to Chicago in January, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you got to. Uh, and I mean, San Diego. I love San Diego, so I'm like, maybe yeah. my department will let me go. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. So, um, so we do instructor schools across the country. So all we need from an agency is a room for a week. Uh, we don't even have them require a minimum sign up because we'll do our best. Obviously, we hope that you send people to the train the trainer program instructor school. But if they say we can at least give you a room for the week. We'll work on coordinating with them, the training chiefs and everything else to get, cool. to get tickets sold for that. So, Wait. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. Um, Man, I appreciate you the invite and letting us uh, come on the show. Like this is, no, of, of course. Yeah. I, I know it's been a, uh, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong. I talked to Lisa. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to Lisa for a while and I shoot, I want to say this has been a few months now. Cause I was, I was deployed overseas for a few months and then, uh took a, a quick pause um to prep for our third annual fundraiser and then after the fundraiser was done it was kind of like all right let me work on uh yeah the fundraiser after action report everything that we do for that the donor letters put everything away in the garage because it was a disaster um and now finally starting to get back into podcast so i think i've probably been talking to lisa for about five or six months trying to plan this yeah uh, yeah, and, and I want to give a shout out to Lisa too, because like she's a she's a volunteer of ours, she's a volunteer of yours, and so she is a woman that like dedicates her heart to missions that she believes in. And yeah. uh, so with her name coming up, like I just want I, I know you you echo it as well, but the gratitude that goes out to Lisa and the other that support our missions. Yep. Now greatly appreciate you, Lisa. Thank you. Um, so I know before we started, you. I, I told you if you had any questions about what we do at the Overwatch Collective, um, because I know we we kind of just talked for the first time today and had our little intro before we started recording. Um, so is there, and for our new followers that we may have every few episodes, it's kind of good to give 
um, like an update of who we are, what we do and some of our stats. So do you have any questions for me? Yeah, I do. And it goes right into what we were talking about before. So you've been prepped for an hour, folks. This isn't by accident. He didn't know he had an hour to prep for it. Uh, but we were talking before the show, like you said, you've got a 30 second elevator pitch and a one minute elevator pitch. And we were talking about how critical it is to have that statement at the tip of your tongue at the ready at every, at any given moment, uh, depending on the situation. So, uh, I, I, I want to hear the expert elevator pitch. So I've got, I'm on the, I'm on the truly on the elevator. Give me the one minute, the one minute version. The one minute version. Cool. We're going to the lobby to the third floor. Um, yeah. cool. So Basically, the the Overwatch Collective is a 501c3 nonprofit and podcast founded by uh, two active duty service members and one first responder um, with the intent to uh, onboard culturally competent, informed therapists who are vetted through our board of directors, who's comprised of first responders, service members, partners, spouses, significant others of our community of first responders and military. So as of now, we have contracted therapists in 23 out of the 50 states. What we do is we connect anybody in our community to those therapists in a matter of days, um, and it is completely confidential. We'll pay for 100% of the first three therapy sessions, and then it's a tier system from there. So we pay 60% for the next five, 50% for the next five, and it's a, uh, it's adjustable depending on the person's financial situation. Um, since August of 2021, we have... Uh, spent over $70,000 on therapy. We've had around 100 people use our culturally competent therapists and come through us for therapy. And then we've either fully funded or financially assisted over 700 therapy sessions in our community. Um, and then our our podcast, which is what we are doing now, uh, has around 100 episodes where we have therapists on, we have other nonprofits, other resources for our community as it's a collective effort to normalize mental health and really work on... Uh, getting our community into therapy and working with life coaches and uh, maintaining that complete confidentiality while connecting them with people in the community that will understand them no matter what position they're in. Um, and we pay for them to attend. Uh, in addition, if we are not on that third floor yet, uh, we just got our mental health app dropped uh, a few months ago. So you can be completely anonymous with the click of one button by switching into incognito mode. Uh, you have audio rooms, you have other nonprofits, you have podcasts, our wellness center is just about to drop. Um, and then you have also have the social media aspect as well. So Ooh. that is it. We're at the third floor. Have a good day. Nice. Yeah, no, I love it. And that, that brings up like, I think we have probably have a secondary conversation about the app and see if we can put some resources or something on there for you. Yeah, 100%. Um, and you I know- not the show publicly or anything, but I'm just like that. But yeah, like, yeah, there's, there's more overlap there. Yeah, 100%. And that's the cool thing. So we had, uh, basically, we, uh, we had these people reach out and they're like, Hey, we want you guys to be the face of this app. And, um, so it's literally on the app store. It's for Apple and Android, the, the green users that ruin the group text messages. Um, you can go into your app store, type in the Overwatch Collective and you, you download it. It is free. Um, Unlike your guys' app where you have to pay, you know, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> um, completely free. And uh, on there, you can get whatever resources you need. You can DM us directly anonymous or as Greg Grogan. You can join these audio rooms that um, still have a lot of work to do on it, but we're going to have all of our therapists on there. We have um, 
basically any everybody and anybody in the community can go onto the app and host an audio room. So if you guys wanted to hop on once yeah. every two weeks and do an audio room about yoga for first responders, you can go in there, schedule an audio room. Um, and then while you're doing it live, people can hop in as Greg Rogan or completely anonymous. And then they, he or she can ask questions, raise their hand, uh, and then can message you individually as well. So, um, it'll get really big when we have like alcohol anonymous meetings in there, people that are first responders or service members that are recovering alcoholics that can do bi-monthly meetings in there, or people that have attempted suicide can go in there and host an audio room anonymously. And then everybody, like, even if you don't join it and comment on it, if that helps one person by listening to their story and this is what helped me, this is what I went through in my dark time and this is how I overcame it, um, then that's a win for us. So um, the ultimate goal with the app is to get around a thousand people in there. We have like 350 now. We'll start getting advertisement space in there and then we'll start actually making money through the app. That's cool. Oh, that's awesome, man. I love the, I love the platform and I love the community aspect of it. Cause, uh, I know we're wrapping up and that's another whole rabbit hole, but that's why we say from recruitment through retirement, uh, as, as we step away from these professions, uh, and lose that identity of yeah. our professions, that's a whole nother aspect. So the yep. community aspect to build that community around it for folks is, uh, is awesome. So I commend that. That's cool. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's, uh, I know. And I kind of want to do dive more into a few episodes regarding retirement, uh, whether first responder or military, because there's like, like you said, that identity aspect. And there's a lot that like you kind of hold off until you retire and then everything catches up to you and you're not with your boys and you're not running around doing these calls and you don't have that adrenaline rush and things kind of slow down and everything catches up to you. Um, So thanks for bringing that up. But yeah, that, that's kind of it for us. So that would be essentially my 60 second elevator speech right there. And then if I have only 30 seconds, I toss a card at someone and I just give like the brief overlap. Um, and that's if I if I see someone rocking a, a shirt that has an American flag on it and they seem like they're team American, they support right. first responder or service member, slap a card and be like, hey, really quick, this is a nonprofit that benefits first responders and service members and paying for therapy here. Check us out. If you have any questions, let me know. Cool. Something yeah. like that. Anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At all. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's super cool. Uh, one quick question for you. And, and it's not a quick answer. So, <laughs> I mean, I shared kind of how we try to overcome the stigma uh, of what yoga is and from our health and wellness standpoint. So I'm curious how you guys continue to fight that. Cause obviously that's the thousand pound gorilla in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Um, and so kind of like what you mentioned and what you guys are doing at yoga for first responders is what the proactive, uh, steps towards working on breathing and yoga and taking care of yourself, uh, mentally and physically. So uh, we started out as a podcast. It was in a garage, um, which it is still in a garage. I'm looking at my dirt bike and all of our merchandise right now. Um, and this is like super low key laid back environment. And basically our whole mission is to, especially with the podcast is to, um, have resources like have you on obviously that will benefit our community, but also to have, um, people within the community that have, uh, gone through some dark times in their life. And throughout the hundred episodes that we've done, we've had people talk about suicide attempts, losing their husband, 
who was a first responder who died by suicide completely out of the blue one morning. Um, and he was a California highway patrol officer. We've had a, a wide range of podcasts on there. And um, so for us, it is, it started out with the podcast and obviously we're still doing it where it's like, Hey, all these resources and uh, the topics that we discuss is all focused around uh, the importance of working on yourself and um, making sure, sure people know, like, it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to be selfish, which is very hard for our community um, while providing free and confidential resources to our community, um, as well as working with the spouses, significant others and children of our community, because, um, they are kind of overlooked at times. And as you said, you, you come home and this is not really a, a safe place to decompress. Um, they take a lot of burden of what we do as first responders and service members as well. Um, so that's kind of the proactive step with the podcast. And then with the nonprofit, it's, um, it's, it's going to be coming soon with the app. And then one of our therapists is actually working on uh, revamping our entire website right now. But it's essentially going to be like if you were to pur purchase a shirt on your guys' website where it's like, hey, I'm in Texas. You come to our website, you click on Texas drop down and you see all of our culturally competent or informed vetted yeah. therapists that work in the state of Texas. Um, and then it'll be a photo of them, email address, bio, and then a podcast that I do linked with each one of them so that whoever is seeking therapy um, and like taking that big step, you know, as you mentioned to your, your crew, you're like, yeah, I'm going to therapy. And they're like on the side, like, Hey, like, who's that therapist, whatever going through us is completely confidential. Your military unit will not find out your, your police department, fire department, your dispatch center will not find out. Um, and we connect you to a therapist in a matter of a few days. Um, and essentially we want that first therapy session to be a success because there's like an 80% rate. If you want to like take that big leap and you go to therapy and it's not what you thought it was. And, um, it kind of lead it's, it's like kind of in line with that stigma of therapy, then you're going to about face and you're going to walk out the door. So, if we can get three to five therapists in each state, have a photo, email address, bio, and a podcast that allows each person to maybe take a few days and listen to a podcast a day and be like, hey, you know what? After doing some research and listening to Eric or Greg, I, I really do think Eric's the better fit for me. So I'm going to reach out, schedule an appointment with Eric. And then hopefully that session is a really good match. Um, and if it's not, we can connect you with another therapist, but, um, that is basically our entire mission with connecting people. So, um, yeah, we, we've spent like $65,000 in, in the past year. Um, and we're starting to get bigger and bigger, obviously. So we have more people coming in and we're, um, our entire board of directors is all voluntary at this point. We're not getting paid and, um, all the, the funds that we pay for therapy is coming in through donations, uh, merchandise sales. And then we're starting to work on grants right now, um, which is a whole nother. I mean, we talk about fucking pronouncing big words, man. Grants is a whole nother can yeah. of worms. I've, uh, uh, I hate to say that. I don't know if we've written off grants. I probably shouldn't say that. Somebody out there listening is going to be like, you have not, but yeah. yeah. Uh, it, we struggle. It's we struggle, man. They're so damn hard. Like, yeah, it, it's, it's a lot of work. 
Well, and we had a we had an interest. You know, I'm gonna open up the can of worms for a minute. We, I mean, we're a small nonprofit at the end of the day ourselves, and uh, we did get funded. We got funded a huge grant from California Post, actually, huge grant, uh, probably three years ago at this point. Awesome. And we were super excited. I wrote that application, uh, and I was thrilled because it was the first grant. Like we had hired grant writers before, and for some reason, we just struck out and struck out and struck out and struck out. And so I was like, well, shit, I might as well do it. Instead of paying somebody else, I might as well strike out myself. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, and so I ended up writing it and we actually got it. And so I was on the phone call with California Post um, to get the fun- funding. And we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like this is not, this wasn't a small one. Uh, and ended up having to walk away from it. And the guy literally said, he's like, Eric, I respect your integrity and I respect your organization because he's like, nobody else ever walked away from one of these grants. The reason we had to walk away from it was, is because the requirements for like the number of different positions it took for like separation of work from like a kind of accounting standpoint, like one person had to like send the invoice, one person had to like double check. Like it, by the time you looked at each position that needed, we needed 10 or 11 employees in the organization. Uh, yeah, yeah. An organization of three, like we have three employees. Yeah, and you just can't swing it. No, I mean, we could have tried, we could have, and so what most people would have done is they would have said, oh, we have a volunteer over this and this and this and this and this, which is all bullshit. Then, yeah. So yep. it's, all, it's all made up smoke and mirrors. And so, and I'm having the real conversation because again, at the end of the day, all we have is our integrity, right? Is it, is it, listen, I can make it up and say we've got Joe Blow in these seats, but we're a nonprofit of three. And if you want us, that's what you have to work with. Yeah. And it fortunately didn't work out. And so we walked away from hundreds of thousands of dollars because at the end of the day, we couldn't meet the accounting requirements for the, for the California post grant, which sucks. Like, I won't lie. That one hurts. That one hurts. Uh, yeah. That, that's tough. Cause that would be huge. Um, and yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, like, I don't even know if we would be able to do it as well, you know, which sucks because you're like, Oh my God. Like even when we get like a 200, 300, $400 donation, I'm like, hell yeah. Like that pays for two know, right? sessions, exactly. like $175 a therapy session. So I'm like stoked that someone in our community gets like this amazing resource to them. And I'm like, dude, I would do some wild things for a hundred K for talk. I know. I know. Like I kick myself and sometimes like, dude, like, <laughs> yeah, but no, you, you, I've, I've you, you watched, did the right uh, thing. I know, it is the right thing. I was gonna say I've since watched the TV show Succession. <laughs> I've never seen it. It's just it's an HBO show, and it's just a doggy dog world of like big business America and being able to always stab somebody in the back to get yeah. the deal done. You know, it's not it's not the way I want to do business. I want us to do everything and be able to sleep well at night and uh, continue to feel good about the work we're doing. And so, yeah, to at the same time. Three hundred thousand dollars would have made a big difference in our organization. So yeah, I'm right there with you. Trust me, we could do a lot of good things with three hundred k. Both of us, even if we split the damn thing. I know exactly right. Exactly right. So we're charging people for now for our services. Yeah, uh, yeah. Our long term big mission, if we're going to talk money, our long term big mission uh, at this point is twenty million dollars in the bank. Like that's our goal. So if you know anybody, uh, if your listeners know anybody, the reason why we chose twenty million dollars is is because then we would never have to charge for our services again. Yeah, because we can run off the the income revenue off of the investments and that kind of stuff, and that's kind of the financial number for the size of organization that we want to be today. Uh, that if we put twenty million bucks in the bank, we could run our business for in perpetuity forever without ever charging anybody ever again, and that's the goal. 
that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. And 20 million bucks in the world sounds like a lot to you and me, but there's so much money in the world, man. That I mean, shit, you're in New Hampshire right now. I'm in the Bay Area in California where there's money around. It is absolutely ridiculous. But yes, there is a lot of money. So, and I, so I don't even have a number like 20 mil for, for talk, like our ultimate goal. Like, like I, I would do anything for like two or three million. Like the, right. the amount of stuff that we could do with oh two million. And, yes. and I know that there's so much money in this area and people have so much money. I'm like, if then like what we talked about before where I'm like, shit, if you get me into a room and I can talk for, from the lobby to the 20th floor, like put me in coach. I am well, in. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. And so uh, as we wrap up, I just want to, and something I always really like to do is like, man, I believe in your mission. I empower you to continue to go out and ask and something I need to do better. And the reason I like to tell coach other people up on it is because it's really for myself, like get in those rooms, have those meetings. Like if anybody's listening that believes in what you guys are doing or wants to learn about what we're doing and has those connections, like we're both nonprofits at the end of the day, we're small nonprofits that just want to do good. And so if you know those people, like send Greg a message, man, send me a message because <laughs> Uh, we don't want the moon. I'm not looking to fly around in private jets. I just want to be able to support our public safety people at no cost to them at, at the end of the day too. It, it, as I said earlier, it doesn't work on compassion coupons. So uh, keep putting that card out there. I actually really, really like that. I'm going to actually take that advice myself and anybody that I see, because that's one of my things. That's what I admitted earlier. We're humble people. I mean, at the end of the day, public safety, we're typically extremely humble people or we're the servant leaders. And it's hard for us to continue to be our own horn blowers and our own marketers and our own people to advocate for ourselves. And so I really like that idea of giving those cards out when you see somebody in a shirt with the flag on it, because that's something so easy, a way to strike up a conversation. And you just never know who that person knows uh, or what they possibly can do themselves. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's cool, and I'll I'll definitely after this I'll get some of your cards. I'll I'll ship you out some stuff tomorrow. Um, but yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Like I we had a um, I had someone throw a card on a car that had a I think it was a a Marine Corps sticker, and then they ended up working for this company that matches donations, and we ended up getting five k from it. They're like, hey, thank you for what you do. Here's this. We just need a donor letter. I'm like, uh, done. Pause. I'll have it to you in one minute. You know. Right. Um, and then I was on a flight going out to a less lethal instructor training course in Corpus Christi, Texas. And the gentleman I was sitting next to, um, he was like on his phone talking to his wife. He's like, yeah, I got my shift tomorrow. And I'm like, I'm like, cool. I'm going to spark up a conversation when he gets off the phone. Turns out him and his two daughters work for Houston police department. So we connect, tell, give him a card. And then him and his daughter flew out last month for our third annual fundraiser. They flew out to Ooh. California just to attend our fundraiser. And now it's like, we have contacts at Houston police department with them and it, it's awesome. So it's crazy what one, like handing out one card can do. And you have the QR code on the back that has all the information and it's, it's cool. No, no, I, I, I really appreciate that. So that's good advice. So yeah, of I, course. So, um, so how we wrap up, I know I mentioned it before when you perfectly explained our motto of one more is one less <laughs> essentially. Uh, and that's kind of like what the other, like all the other nonprofits and businesses kind of like that you can tell really care 
when they go to talk about their mission and what they do and why they started it, it falls back on our motto of one more is one last because we all do this out of the kindness of our hearts and we care about our community. We want to benefit our community. Um, So where it came up for us was uh, season one, episode six of our podcast. We had an army combat vet come on and um, lost a bunch of friends to suicide upon return state side from a combat zone. And he was like, dude, if we can help out the VA and get, these resources that at the time we were talking about providing, which we are now um, to our veteran community, then and if we can make it confidential, get them help and like get them to the right people, that could be one less suicide that we hear about one less funeral that we have to go to one less complete surprise of the loss of a, a family member or friend. Um, so then we came up with one more is one less. And now um, it's cool to hear everybody's, explanation of what it means to them yeah. um so i i throw it on the instagram every once in a while to see kind of what people say um and then at the end of podcast we ask our guests to explain what one more is one less means to them so without further ado you are yeah. on sir yeah no uh and you're exactly right um for us for me personally uh i'm tired of seeing our brothers and sisters falling in the river of post-traumatic stress and for me it's breaking through all of the stigmas to show that there is proactive training tools out there that if you're willing to try them, I'll go so far as to say they will work for you uh, because of that physiological training standpoint. And so for me, it really is falls back on that exact same mission. If I can try and give one person these tools uh, of this, and I've got a, a perfect story as a captain in Alpharetta, Georgia, he feels like it's just him against his whole department. And yet he has, because it's one person driving the mission forward, his crew's now doing these trainings during shift days. He's become acting deputy chief and do going around to different stations. Other stations are saying, Hey, it's working for your crew. We want it. And that's the power of one. Like it doesn't take an entire organization to come into these changes. You can do it as one person and i want to empower everybody that's listening to this that no matter how alone you feel at your agency because you're the only one talking about health and wellness we need to be doing better for our officers better for our firefighters whatever you can make that difference and that is to me the definition of one more is one less it starts with you you have that power so don't give up on yourself and think that you're by yourself get in the collective be part of the collective with greg and those guys taking the resources you want that's one more is one less at its core love it thank you so much for sharing no this has been a pleasure we have so much overlap turns out you can bring a firefighter and a cop in a room and they can get a long time so <laughs> I, I know right and i i we joke aside uh or we joke a lot obviously alongside with our our fire brothers and sisters but i mean we love each other i go by the firehouses and say what's up to them and bring them ice cream and shoot the shit with them and sit in their comfy chairs every once in a while and um obviously my brother's a firefighter as well and it, it's so cool and obviously you got to talk shit to each other and tell the jokes every once in a while but um at the end of the day i think there are times where we want to do each other's jobs um but it's such a good community like the entire first responder community um and that's why we like, obviously us at the Overwatch Collective. And then for you guys, it's like, we we hit the entire community, all first responders and service members, and we just want to help and we just want to make a difference. So okay. that's, that's right. It. Cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Um, 
like Eric said, if you want to reach out to them, find more. Uh, essentially, everything is like the Overwatch Collective where you just type in yoga for first responders and you'll be able to find them. If for whatever reason you cannot uh, contact me, I'll number one, probably laugh at you. Um, and then I will help you get in contact with them. Uh, well, you gotta use a keyboard. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So we'll figure it out. Um, and then hopefully we'll get you guys on the app. You can do an audio room, uh, yep. and we'll start posting some more stuff on social media and working together. Cool. Yeah. Appreciate it, Greg. Thanks for having All us. Right, brother. Thank you everybody. Appreciate you guys for joining, listening and God bless. Hey, before we go, I want to remind you that training your mental and physical health is incredibly important, especially for those working in high-stress jobs like first responders. And if you're interested in learning more about Yoga for First Responders, visit yogaforfirstresponders.org for our on-demand training app, online course platform, in-person training, and more. Like this podcast, subscribe, and give us a great review. We are so happy to have you part of the YFFR mission.